Highways Voices, the podcast of Highways News, your one-stop destination for all the news about the highways and transport technology industries and our must-read daily newsletter. And we're back after the summer break and I hope you've missed us as much as we've missed you. We are Highways Voices and today we're talking digital roads. I think, you know, what we've set out in our our digital road strategy is really recognising on that technology side. There are a lot more opportunities going forward that we need to take advantage of. That doesn't mean that the other things become unimportant. It just means that we need to really, you know, focus and make sure we are taking advantage of those opportunities that, that are out there for us. We are the digital solution for a digital age and we don't kill a single tree in the process. We are Highways News bringing you Highways Voices. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. So we talk to Elliot Shaw of National Highways later on on our podcast today but beforehand as always Adrian Tatum the co-owner with me of Highways News uh, catches up with me to discuss some of the stories that have uh, caught his eye over the last few weeks. Uh, Hello Adrian, good summer? Yes it was thanks Paul but August didn't seem to be short of local and national news that's for sure. Well, the thing is, I hardly had any time off and actually looking at the sheer number of stories that broke over the summer, I thought we'd have quite a quiet few weeks. And actually, it's been really busy in the industry, which has been a good thing. And of course, I mentioned Elliot Shaw of National Highways. That's one of them that I'm very proud we were the first outlet to actually report the name change from Highways England to National Highways. We're not going to talk about that today, but uh, that's just one of the rebranding exercises we've had over the uh, summer. We've also had Siemens becoming Unix traffic. So we're all interesting times and uh, interesting for us to change the tags on our website. But I mentioned the news stories that uh, you've noticed. What's really caught your eye this last week or so, Adrian? We're going to start with National Highways. And as it's the subject of today's podcast, Paul, a virtual twin of the road network that can predict the time and location of potholes and other maintenance issues is just one of the innovations that National Highways says it's poised to try Confirm its future operations through its new digital road strategy. Other initiatives that could lead to the change in what it calls a digital resolution for roads include intelligent road materials able to repair themselves and more connected and autonomous plant, which is part of an ongoing project. These are just some of the system that's set to be rolled out as part of a new website and virtual learning environment, which has been produced to um, dedicate to this new strategy. Um, Also, local projects to improve air quality across England will get £7 million worth of government funding this year. Um, The applications open for the ECS scheme. At least £1 million of the £9 available this year will be dedicated to products to improve public awareness in local communities about the risk of air pollution. Elsewhere, work is underway to get ready for the Greater Manchester-wide Clean Air Zone, which is launching on the 30th of May 2022 with the first automatic number plate recognition cameras now installed and financial support to businesses and the public to be launched in November. That contract was won by the Aegis Consortium. And uh, finally on my list, Paul, um, Buckinghamshire Council has also announced a £100 million investment in its, as part of its major highways programme over the next four years. As part of this investment, Buckinghamshire Council will be repairing the most damaged roads and pavements. 
And of course, we've launched our Highways News theme weeks this week. So I mentioned uh, the Dead Tree Press of people that print magazines. Well, we're doing magazine style uh, articles within our website. Dead easy for you to read on your laptop, your desktop, your tablet or your phone. Adrian and I have both edited magazines in the past. So this is where it's not so newsy. It's more of an in-depth feature. We're doing traffic signals this week ahead of the JCT Traffic Signal Symposium that I'll be at next week at Nottingham Trent University and I'm really looking forward. I hope to see you there. Hey, we're going to see each other in three dimensions. This is a fantastic thing that's coming next week as we get back to normality here in the UK. But loads of really good articles to look out for this week on our theme week. So we've got bringing closer to a vibrant city. We're going to be uh, talking about that this week, extracting more value out of TfL's bus priority system using modelling to predict and compare traffic management response plans to mitigate tailpipe emissions in real time and how a combined radar and CCTV solution is used in traffic data collection. That's just some of the stories. You can find them all on our website. Other news stories to talk about this week. And Adrian, you said about uh, digital solutions for national highways well here's an interesting one to encourage the next generation to get involved in uh, the highways and uh, transport technology industries national highways has enlisted the help of minecraft the world's best-selling video game to inspire the next generation of talented tech experts engineers scientists and mathematicians and to a jump in and explore three of national highways proposed schemes that have been created in the game elsewhere a friend of highways news andy graham has been talking about this for years using connected cars to spot potholes and other problems with the roads uh, mercedes-benz has announced it's providing customers with vehicle to everything functions on its c-class and s-class models using sensors on the chassis control unit to detect potholes or speed bumps uh, we've also got the fact that blackpool council has installed its first true grid stream cctv and radar combined detector to spot cars and pedestrians and better manage their traffic and a story that we got a huge amount of traction on over the summer uh, yes this really happened a man climbed into a speed camera to flash passing motorists with his phone remember you can get all the news that matters to you every day in our lunchtime briefing the news is updated all day long and we send you out a summary every day at midday and don't forget to follow us on twitter facebook instagram and linkedin you just look for highways news and then you'll get all the stories there as well highways voices with paul hutton and adrian tatum over the summer, you will have seen that the newly named National Highways set out its digital vision with a promise of things like a virtual twin of the road network predicting the time and location of potholes and other maintenance issues, just one of the innovations that is poised to transform its future operations. Now, the man who leads all this for National Highways is Elliot Shaw, the Strategy and Planning Executive Director at National Highways. So he he joins Adrian and me on Highways Voices this week. Elliot, thank you very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to us about this. Now, the new National Highways digital strategy is, I kind of think, both bold and ambitious. Uh, what do you hope to achieve by 2025 and beyond and why? 
so we really hope to achieve a real step change, actually, in the, in the rate that sort of digital is adopted in everything that we do in highways. I think kind of when we were looking at this strategy, I mean, to be honest, it originally probably came out of when we did a, a piece of work a couple of years ago called Connecting the Country, Planning for the Long Term, which really looked at that long term 2040 and beyond vision for highways. And um, where you really do see that technology has transformed the way that we use our roads, got connected, autonomous, electric vehicles, much more intelligent operations, etc. And, and it's great having that long-term vision. But what we really wanted to say is actually, how do we really make that step? How do we really sort of drive forward towards that? Because highways have not always been the most technologically enabled industry form of transport. And we really wanted to kind of catalyze the shift both within national highways, but within the industry at large, you know, we're conscious we're only one part of it and we need to work with our supply chain and others to really sort of make that move forward. So I would hope we will see a significantly more digitally enabled road network by 2025 and that's in each of the three areas that we set out within the strategy. So the design and construction space, also within the operations, and, and then finally also how we engage with our customers as well. A lot of this work that we're talking about in the strategy won't be really realised until 10 to 15 years' time. Why did you decide now was the right time to launch the strategy? I think one of the things I'd, I'd argue, Adrian, is that we are trying to realise uh, quite a lot of it in the shorter term. I mean, absolutely, the full vision won't, you know, kind of be realisable for sort of several years. But actually, if I look at it across across a lot of areas, I think we already have pieces of excellence and pieces where you can really see that actually that new technology is really changing how we do things. And actually what this is about is really trying to catalyse that, make that become the norm, and then also kind of continue to sort of pick up. So, so I would say, you know, for example, in the design and construction space, if you go out and, you know, I was visiting our M4 project site a few months ago, actually, again, it's really interesting to see how the way that they've approached construction has changed. The fact that you have connected plant there and, you know, effectively a control centre hub really trying to sort of optimise kind of the movement of plant and machinery and vehicles across the site. Things like digital rehearsals, so really trying to make sure that when we have a kind of big complex bit of engineering or construction such as a bridge push, you know, we're rehearsing them in a digital environment you know, already. Again, on things like our Smart Motorway programme, we're building aspects of a digital twin, really trying to make sure that there's one sort of data hub that every supplier is accessing and using that goes through from construction into operation. So I think actually we're starting in places to already see kind of quite a shift. It's really about trying to kind of catalyse and accelerate that. Because actually, in the long term, there, there, you know, their potential potentially is going to be a really quite radical change, particularly when you think how vehicles potentially change over the coming sort of ten to twenty years as well. So it is, it's about that balance of recognizing that longer term change, but sort of saying actually, how over the next four, five, eight, etc. years, are we going to drive that forward? Digital design and construction in particular has the potential to change the way we approach the roads in the future with numerous benefits from mapping carbon reduction to designing out risk from projects before they even start. How will you map out 
what becomes a priority in all of this? I think there's, you know, we have outlined in the plan effectively some, some kind of key priorities and a bit of a roadmap, really. So what we try to do is, is outline how we think these areas could change and evolve, not just over the next five years, but also the next sort of 10, 15 plus years. So I think to some extent what we try to do is distill that down and actually say, well, what are the priorities in the next five years or so? And the plan does that. And I, I particularly encourage people to look at there's a, a, along with the launch of the plan, we launched this uh, learning environment that enables you to actually dive in and understand kind of what we're proposing in each of these areas. So that does quite a good job. I think of talking that through. But particularly, I would say in, in, in the digital design and construction, you know, we are looking at things like digital design standards as we've been updating DMRB, growing sort of digital twins, digital design tools. We created rapid engineering model, which is a you know much more of an automated design tool than, than has existed previously, kind of growing the use of that. Things like standardized components, off-site manufacturing those digital rehearsals and controls on site that I talked about, as well as I would say connected and autonomous plant. So we, you know, we produced a connected and autonomous plant roadmap a few months ago. And again, that's an area where we're, we're, we're keen to push forward and see more of. About 15 years ago, which makes me feel very old, Elliot, I was running a company that won the contract to run what was Highways Agency's own radio station. So I spent quite a lot of time in the control room at Quinton. And at the time, there was a lot of movement from a human-based traffic management system to getting more and more technology to support it. And obviously, in those 15 years, there has been much more technology and much less reliance on telephone calls and operators spotting issues on mm. the network, etc. How much faith in the future should we be putting into AI and automated systems? And how much will we still need that human element that uh, the organizations had since it very uh, first started? These things are a system. I would say, you know, and, you know, there is an, an infrastructure element to it. There is a people element to it and there'll be a technology element to it as well. I think the key for us is really how do we continue to improve all of those areas? I think, you know, what we've set out in our, our digital road strategy is really recognising on that technology side. There are a lot more opportunities going forward that we need to take advantage of. That doesn't mean that the other things become unimportant. It just means that we need to really, you know, focus and make sure we are taking advantage of those opportunities that, that are out there for us. So and I, I would say, particularly in the operations side, you know, we are seeing, I think there is a real sort of explosion of data. And whereas previously, you know, I, I think you're absolutely right, Paul, it was human-based at the start, you know, it became a bit more technology enabled, I think what we're seeing now is that the data that you have isn't necessarily uh, proprietary. It's not, not necessarily kind of your data. So actually, we can make use of the information from Waze, from Twitter, mobile phones, sort of floating vehicle data, all of that, you know, kind of can be taken into 
and used in the way that we operate and manage the network. It's funny you talk about that because people don't believe that when I started running the information gathering for a radio traffic news company 21 years ago, we got our information by phoning little chefs and petrol stations and asking them to look out of the window and tell us what the traffic was like. So it is incredible <laughs> how things have moved on in the last 20 years. And, you know, floating vehicle data was a was a new and, you know, exciting idea when I first got involved, which is probably one of the reasons I've always been so passionate about intelligent transport systems. And so to think where we can go in the next 20 years is quite unbelievable. How will you be able to use the digital road strategy to produce a more effective road network, Elliot? So it is. I mean, if I take one of the, the, the examples we were just talking about, floating vehicle data, one great example I would say is we, we did a, a trial, uh, I think it was in Manchester, where we looked at a lot of floating mobile data on the, on the local network, on, on the commuting routes into the centre of, uh, of Manchester, and used that to optimise the, uh, the signs and signals on the strategic road network, so that we were really trying to optimise the commuting flows into Manchester. So I think for me, you know, that, that, that sort of thing I see as a kind of great example whereby actually, you know, we can take data that isn't necessarily our own and also think about the network beyond our borders because, you know, it, it actually becomes visible. I would see sort of more of those sorts of examples. Similarly, I mean, I do think kind of our control systems, the aim is to become sort of ever more intelligent. So to be able to sort of feed in more forms of data and kind of, you know, to some extent, that will mean sort of more automated actions, so automating automated sign signal setting, which should be more responsive and kind of optimise flows on the network. So I think there's genuinely kind of a lot of opportunity with that ability to kind of have more data and process that data much more quickly than we, we could ever do historically. It's funny, uh, Elliot, because we haven't rehearsed this, but you've actually cross-promoted one of the articles on our theme week this, this week about signs and signals of that particular project uh, in Transport for Greater Manchester's region with Vivacity Labs. Uh, there's another one that's going to be on this week as well, uh, which is a similar sort of project, the Nevma project in Oxfordshire, where you used air quality monitoring and real-time traffic information, stuck it through a transport model to improve air quality in the area so there are some real mm. tangible here's and nows for this um how do you scale it though because at the moment you know we report on so many of these little one-off projects often in york or in manchester and oxfordshire also uh, uh, an area where they're very keen on doing these pilot schemes how do you actually scale them up to make them uh, a national standard and Paul, you've hit on, you know, that's absolutely one of the reasons why we tried to create this digital rose strategy. And it's not just a strategy, it is a plan uh, that sits underneath it as well. Because I think we reflected that, you know, there have been pockets of excellence, but actually this does need to become kind of much more embedded. And I think to do that, we wanted to kind of make clear the shift that we wanted to see and the actions that sort of sat underneath that, both so that we could make sure that within national highways we were aligned around it but also you know i think there's quite an appetite from particularly our supply chain but other partners and stakeholders as well so again if we kind of go into the learning environment that we've created we do in there have plans around effectively all of the different areas that we see driving that shift so what what needs to happen over the next few years 
to really try and make the move. Talk to us through your core themes and how that will have an impact in a, in a positive way on the supply chain in the future. So obviously the, the sort of digital design and construction. So we've got, I mean, I would say we've got three core themes. So digital design and construction, digital operations and digital for customers. And the digital design and construction, as I said, that really is about how we get a much more technology-enabled end-to-end design and construction lifecycle. And, you know, that, that should have real benefits, you know, both for the supply chain and for taxpayers and for customers. But, you know, primarily the ability to deliver schemes faster, deliver them more efficiently. And I think from a safety perspective as well, the more that we can do these things in a controlled, digitally enabled way, you know, you probably expect to see fewer people doing sort of, you know, some of the more challenging and dangerous uh, activities on site. So we would expect to see safety impacts as well. On the operations side, I think, you know, again, for me, the, the interesting thing there, I, you know, to some extent you mentioned it, that actually we have opportunities to just do different things now, things that we would never have been able to do. I think there's real opportunities for the supply chain to sort of work with us to make sure that we are operating the network in that kind of most advanced sort of insightful, responsive way. And a bit similarly on the digital for customers, I think on, on that, what we've been really reflecting on is what's where's the value that we add? What's the unique information that we can provide? And how should we get that across to our customers? Again, I think that should provide good opportunities for the supply chain to kind of work with us on that. We're aligning quite a lot of a lot of our activities around this within the organisation, but there's also obviously our Innovation Modernisation Fund, which is a significant fund that we have for RIS2. A chunk of that is, is obviously going to be going to support our Digital Roads agenda. And I think we're looking at a specific competition probably a little bit later in the year around ideas and thoughts around innovations, etc., that can really catalyse and accelerate some of these changes that we're seeing. So I think and I would hope there's good opportunities for the supply chain within there, but also it will lead to a better experience for our customers and better value for the taxpayer as well. And just finally, how do you get a sense of what technology is already out there that you can make use of and build on and kind of what technology you have to start from scratch, whether that be your own technology or other technology, for, for example, there's already technology in play that will give real-time data on the condition of the road, for example. How do you plan to build on that? Yeah, so, so I mean, obviously, so we, again, my colleague, our Chief Digital Information Officer, sort of Vicky Higgin and a team, very much one of the things that they are doing is scanning out there for what sort of technologies already exist. There will be quite a lot of work going on to, to look at that existing piece. We have our sort of innovation fund and there is the innovation pathway. Again, there's a lot more information on our website about it that is more about those those brand new things that potentially need a bit of sort of incubation and support. We try and do a bit of both because I think we do recognise that in some areas it is just about us taking something that is quite mature. In other areas, it may need further development. Elliot, I've always talked about the fact that I think technology can deliver improvements to our transport network quicker, cheaper, and more effectively than infrastructure changes on their own. And it's heartening to see that National Highways clearly has the same view and is throwing so much 
into the Digital Roads strategy. As your website says, Digital Roads will harness data, technology and connectivity to improve the way the strategic road network is designed, built, operated and used. This will enable safer journeys, faster delivery and an enhanced customer experience for all. Elliot Shaw is Executive Director, Strategy and Planning at National Highways and has been our guest on Highways Voices this week. Elliot, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Paul. Thanks, Adrian. Highways Voices, the podcast from highwaysnews.com. Highwaysnews.com. Fascinating stuff there from Elliot Shaw of National Highways. Really good to hear. There's a joined up approach to bringing digital solutions to our network. Uh, now it's time to tip our hat to somebody else that does something amazing in the transport industry because it is time for Adrian's accolade. And Mr. Tatum, who does your accolade go to this week? Well, my accolade this week goes to the trustees of the Reese Jeffries Road Fund. So the Reese Jeffries Road Funds is celebrating 150 years this year since the birth of their benefactor, William Reese Jeffries, with a UK-wide competition to describe the roads of the future. They are offering grants of up to a possible £150,000 plus cash prizes of £5,000 for schools to encourage new and creative thinking about what road users and society as a whole expect from our roads of the future. The £150,000 question is... What's your vision of the way in which our roads could best work for us all as we scrap the challenge of the next 50 years? I've done some work with the Reese Jeffries Road Fund in the past. They're uh, an excellent uh, group of people with really, really good causes that they're spending money on. And as I mentioned earlier, our old mate Andy Graham, friend of Highways News, uh, he's very much involved in that particular competition. And so do give it a thought. And I, what I like is the fact that it's not just big companies that are going for that. If you or I had a brilliant idea for something for the future on the roads, we could enter it. Uh, the fact is that we just report other people's brilliant ideas. I'm not sure I could come up with something worth 150 grand, but maybe I'll get my grey cells thinking about it. Adrian, thank you very much indeed for uh, your time on this Highways Voices podcast this week. Um, next week, we introduce our first uh, preview of the the ITS World Congress that takes place next month in Hamburg. We thank very much our sponsors for that event. We've signed up two so far. They are Swaco and Gevi. We'll have more details about them in the weeks to come as well. And of course, if you want to sponsor this here podcast, then do just get in touch. All the contact details are on the Highways News website. That's it for now. We'll join you again next Wednesday at half past nine. Thanks to Elliot Shaw for a fantastic interview on the programme today. But most importantly, thank you for listening. Highways Voices. Join us again next week for more insights from those that matter in the industry. 